0: Alright, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie, that is... James Davis. And we're going to be bringing you Week 5 Cash Game Picks for FanDuel and DraftKings. We'll be going over the plays you can make in those 50-50 contests, uh, double-ups, whatever you want to call them, uh, on both of the sites. We'll roll through position by position on a week that I found a little harder than usual. And I think this one's going to be, we nodded to this yesterday in the recap podcast for week four. I do think this week is going to be possibly the hardest one yet to make decisions around. And I think, and I say the hardest, and I, I mean, maybe that's code for the, the ownership's going to be more spread out than we've seen in some of the weeks already, where we have seen some, at times, overwhelming chalk play. Do you get that sense too? We kind of break it up position by position I focused a little more on quarterbacks and wide receivers. You did a little more running backs and tight ends. But did you kind of start getting that feeling as you were writing up those positions that, I don't know, ownership could just be all over the place this week?
1: Yeah, I think that is was the impression I got when I was kind of calculating lineups and trying to figure out how the pieces were going to fall into place this week. Uh, the reason for that are, are you know kind of obvious. That there's just so many different plays at different positions that are pretty good. And I think you have multiple plays. At similar price tiers, like yeah. you know, Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook are like that's essentially it. neck and neck in our system, yep. and they are the same price, right? So when something like that happens, because sometimes you're like, okay, well, this is just a week where you pay up at tight end, so or uh, or at running back, right? So no matter what, you're going to play Christian McCaffrey, and that's going to, you know, leave you only so much money at tight end, which means you play this certain guy, and so even if there are multiple good plays at different price tiers, that's how the dominoes fall. But when you get a bunch of similar plays at the similar price. That's when the madness really ensues.
0: Yeah, that Kamara and Cook one was a specific one I wanted to bring up because they are both walking into <laughs> advantageous situations, and it's really tough to figure out. I mean, like you said, they're neck and neck. We're we're talking the difference of a hundredth you know, hundreds of uh, projected points, and when you get to that, and with the idea that you probably can't play them both if you're going to play McCaffrey as well. So we'll get into that a little bit. But I, but I, that kind of theme to me. Does seem to extend almost to every position. Quarterback too. I I started quarterback here. I wrote up Lamar Jackson, um, mostly from a just high floor play. Just we talked about this yesterday. He's the highest scoring fantasy player on the season in DraftKings. So, so obviously by proxy, he's the highest quarterback as well. Um, the grounds the, the ground game is really what keeps the floor so high. At eighty three hundred on FanDuel, seventy one hundred on DraftKings. It feel like the week to go back to him. We started him weeks one and two in cash games. Uh, to solid results, uh, have sort of avoided him on the based on matchups over the last couple of weeks. Could you see going back to him this week at these price points?
1: I could, yeah. And and looking at our lineups now, uh, that's probably what I prefer over what I'm seeing now. And I'm sure you'll get to the other names in a minute. But uh, yeah, I think Jackson. He just brings like the perfect combination of high floor and high ceiling. And like you said, the ground game. The guy starts the game with six point five points fantasy points a game just based on what he does with his legs. So. And we saw upside for more if last year's numbers were be to be believed. We also know that when the game script gets hairy, uh, that's when he breaks out the legs even more, uh, which helps even more, right? Because either he's doing well, so he doesn't need the legs, or when it gets rough, the legs are almost a sure thing that, you know, I think Baltimore is basically trying to help him to be cautious with it because. It's basically. It seems like it's an automatic eight yards to carry when he uh, breaks yep. it off on the ground. He said he doesn't uh, like
0: I mean, to run. He came out and just said the other day, if I read the quote right, that he just doesn't like sure. running. So, um, which I get. He that's smart. You should Me as either. a quarterback, you shouldn't yeah. like. Hey, buddy, I don't like running either. So I get you, Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> we're all we're all simpatico when it comes to the don't love running. I He's you. smart. He's smart though. He doesn't have to look further than like a guy like Robert Griffin, who's on the same team with him, and just say this kind of ruined the guy's career was all the running, right? He just took a massive amount of hits and just really just couldn't stay on the field. So he's smart to not want to run. The Steelers' defense, I know they just shut down the Bengals. Um, that's really not a feather in your cap. That was their first win of the season. So I'm not so worried about the defensive matchup here. I think the price is probably correct. There's just a lot of very expensive guys that I want to play. You can make cases for a yeah. lot of the top-tier guys this week, and that's really the biggest problem. I try to take a little savings. Hmm. You don't get a ton here going from Lamar Jackson down to Deshaun Watson, a 300 on FanDuel. Set uh four hundred on DraftKings, but let me just make the case for you for Watson here. One, the Houston has the third highest projected total on the week, uh, four points higher than Baltimore. Uh, I do think Watson has run a little bit bad. He's done like an every other week kind of thing. That that, that I don't use that to project, but he's had two very good games and two kind of stinkers. Uh, Atlanta's defense is bad. Uh, they rank among the the lower third of the league uh, in terms of DVOA. Could you see playing a guy like Watson? Um, this is a guy that's been sort of like a fantasy. God, in the past, uh, it really hasn't manifested itself on a consistent basis this year, or is it just like the savings not enough going from Lamar down to
1: Watson? Yeah, I I think I'm just going to prefer to play Lamar. You know, this was a common theme as I was looking through multiple positions this week, was I have the option of, you know, so someone like Watson, if someone told you at the beginning of the season that there were going to be times where Watson was cheaper than Lamar Jackson, you would have snapped it off and done it without even looking at the matchups or anything like that, right? So I don't want to be overly reactionary, but the issue I have with Watson is the same thing I actually have with Kamara when we get to the next position, which is that if you look at two of his weeks, he looks like that high floor, high ceiling guy that we've become accustomed to. But if you look at two of his other weeks, he did terribly, right? And so if I'm going to look at Lamar Jackson, who actually, since he's come up, has actually sort of been the picture of consistency because when push comes to shove, he is willing to break it off on the ground. Uh, that's where I'd like to turn because the other thing about Watson too which I think is sort of unsustainable on his current rushing numbers the guy right now is carrying the ball about four and a half times a game so that's a good number but he's got three rushing touchdowns like you're not gonna average like he's not gonna end the season with 12 rushing touchdowns if he carries the ball four times a game right so I think that there's some run hot here I think that Lamar arguably has Uh, the better matchup too. I mean, it's pretty close, but I I just think he's better for fantasy purposes. And that's definitely where I'd like to turn right now.
0: If you're headed to a game this year and you need tickets, there's only one place to go and that's Vivid Seats. It's super easy. You go to the app store, download the Vivid Seats app. You use the promo code Overtime. That's O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. And you save up to $100 on all ticket purchases, first time customers only. Once again, vivid seats, use the promo code OVERTIME. It's that easy. Get tickets, go to the game. You won't regret it. I'm going to make a, a slightly stronger case for Watson later on when we talk about DeAndre Hopkins, but I'm just going to kind of tease you with that one um, because I, w- I want to get your thoughts. I, uh, spoiler alert, I'm very high on Hopkins going into this week. But the third guy I have here is Andy Dalton. Man, it pained me a little bit here. He's cheaper cheaper. Uh, this is more of a DraftKings play where he's only 5700 I don't think this, the $800 savings is worth it on FanDuel to just get away from a guy like Jackson or, or Watson. Uh, but Dalton, 1000 or $1,400 less than both of those guys. And we've seen Arizona just put up, allow opposing quarterbacks to put up huge numbers. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson aside last week, though, he just really didn't need to in the end. It, was, it wasn't was because they weren't, didn't, you know, he couldn't. It was just that in the end, he just really wasn't pressed upon uh, to do it. The pace of play is still there for him. And Dalton is just 5,700 on DraftKings. On a week where we said we probably might want to prioritize some big spend-ups in other places, is that enough of a case for Dalton here? I'm mostly saying it because of the of the of the matchup more than anything else. Um, you know, at times we can just play matchups, especially a quarterback that you know where things sort of get pressed to the middle when it comes to their overall projected points. Right. Do you think the savings is worth it enough for Dalton here for for Dalton here, knowing it's
1: the the opponent does give it up uh, through the air? Um, no. <laughs> uh, I knew you were going to really say that. Play, yeah. I'd really rather not play Dalton. I mean, we saw last week uh, with Russell Wilson. Um, it's not a sure thing. Just because you're playing the Cardinals doesn't guarantee. You know, Wilson, obviously, a far more qualified quarterback than Andy Dalton, basically, in, in every regard. And uh, he didn't totally get it done. Now, it's only a one-week sample size. And I know that the Cardinals have really been playing at this high-flying pace. But part of me wonders, too, if some of the Cardinals thing, like, like they have to learn at some point, right? And it's really, really, really not been working thus far. And so maybe Kingsbury just sits there and just keeps grinding, doing Kingsbury stuff. And they continue to allow opponents, whatever, 75 possessions a game. Um, But I just don't necessarily, or not possessions, 75 plays a game. Uh, But I just don't necessarily think that's going to be the case. I think actually the potential aberration is how fast of a pace they've played at the beginning of the season. Uh, This is something I'll point out, you know, once NBA kicks off, I do it when baseball, at the beginning of baseball season every year too, where I say, listen, like the Marlins have struck out 31% of the time against left handed pitchers. That just won't be the number at the end of the season, right? Like, whoever the fastest team is at the beginning of the NBA season, they're not going to break the all-time record for pace in all likelihood, right? Like, stuff just happens. We fall in this trap in football so often because football just tends to be uh, the game where we have to look at smaller sample sizes in general, but I just don't know that the cards are going to give up historic number of plays when the season's over, and they sort of need to if you know, if we're going to apply this season multipliers only, that sort of assumes that they'll continue that for the whole season. So I'm not saying we shouldn't play quarterbacks against the Cardinals. I just have a line where I'd like to play quarterbacks, and I'm not sure Andy Dalton uh, crosses that line. Now, as the lineup shake out at the end of the week, and I'm like looking at it, and I'm like, man, I really don't want to give up any of these plays. Could I consider it? I suppose I could, but man, you're telling me that I have to only save $800 to go from Lamar Jackson to Andy Dalton. I would really better be getting paid off elsewhere. So, uh, so let's, I guess, move forward and see where I'm going to get paid. One interesting thing right now, the Bengals have the fourth highest
0: implied total on the whole main slate. Um, that is, it, it, it's an interesting number. And, you know, it, only the Eagles, uh just had it in front of me, the Eagles, the Texans, we just mentioned with Watson, the Patriots, and then one other team. Oh, uh, not the Chiefs. I forget who the other team was. One other team had a high, that Was maybe they were tied with them. So they're either the third or fourth highest implied total. And that's I don't know. I, it's just it's, it's gonna be weird. It's crazy because the, the Bengals have been so bad and they just got totally killed. So it's it's funny to think about what Vegas is kind of seeing here. I, I kind of get it, and. Oh, man, I don't know where the truth is going to play out. This one, this one's going to be a close one for me. I, by the way, I could have written up Matt Ryan. I thought about Kyler Murray. thought about Carson Wentz. There's a lot of guys that you can kind of consider here. Uh, and, and I want to stress it one more time that Dalton, for me, is really only a DraftKings consideration. I don't want to. The savings is not worth it for me on Fanduel. All right, walk me through running back. Um, the McCaffrey case, we made it pretty strongly yesterday. Do you want to roll through it again about why he's just probably just a hundred percent play for us or is is there gonna come a time when it makes sense to fade him? Do we ever want to be a week, you know, early on a guy like McCaffrey at this point? Or is just is the, or the numbers just too just too much in his favor?
1: Well yeah, so I think the numbers are probably too much in his favor. I think McCaffrey, you know, he was one of those guys. Like one of the times where we'll accept a smaller sample size is when it's just building upon the prior body of evidence anyway. And I think The evidence and the sort of logical conclusion on McCaffrey all line up. So if you didn't listen to yesterday's podcast, the cliff notes is McCaffrey has by far the most opportunity of any running back in the NFL right now, both through the air and on the ground. And he's doing the most with that opportunity when it's pointed his direction. So that's pretty much where you want to be, especially on DraftKings, where you get that free point for every reception like you like to. so the Uh, a nod to me a nod to me going totally crazy about ppr scoring and how stupid it is but i get you so the situation right is that you're now having a guy who's breaking off again somewhat historic pace going into the season but he has done similar things before and i think we can say logically when they lost their starting quarterback we knew that they would be leaning on mccaffrey even more so that's a case where i'm more willing to kind of accept a small sample size. And with McCaffrey, it's kind of just upside. Like, he doesn't even need to be as consistent and as good as he's been to be worth 9,000. So this is a point where, like, the algorithms for FanDuel and DraftKings kind of just run afoul of their own upside. Like, basically, there must just be something in there that's like, you know, don't make a guy more expensive than 9,100. Like, no player is worth that. Uh, but we've seen many times in the past, you know, and Bell comes to mind from previous seasons. Uh, even Mahomes on some level. Uh, uh, Antonio Brown was like this at wide receiver girly at the beginning of girly at the beginning of last year
0: was like this when he was just touching the ball and just scoring touchdowns. It's just like a record clip. Yeah. They, 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 at some point they just yeah. say there's just a cap on these salaries. It seems like.
1: Yeah. And whether, and even if there's not a cap, even if it's a soft cap and it will just keep going up 100 a week uh, with how high on McCaffrey was last week and how well he performed, I think you'll see that number continue to rise. But yeah, the interesting question comes after you get past McCaffrey. So, um, I really like looking at this case between uh, Dalvin Cook and Alvin yeah. Kamara um, because I think this is kind of like a case study in how we would approach cash games. So the difference between Cook and Kamara is $100 in price. Over the course of the season, or no, it's even right now. Yeah, It's identical. So over the course of the season, Cook has outscored Kamara by five fantasy points a game exactly that's a lot of fantasy points a game. (laughs) So um, for starters, I would want to see a much better matchup on Kamara's side than on Cook's side. So Kamara goes up against Tampa Bay. Uh, We just saw them play an extremely fast-paced game. Uh, We know they can, in their own right, yield a ton of possessions. You know, they do a lot of high-risk, high-reward plays, like throw to Mike Evans, which either way it works out for you, right? Either stops the clock on an incompletion or uh, stops the clock as they score a touchdown or go 50 yards down the field. Um, We know that, that matchup is, is essentially as good as it gets in terms of generating plays. On the other hand, we have Dalvin Cook, and he goes up against a Giants team that, you know, they're shutting down of the Redskins notwithstanding. is not a defense that we're particularly scared about, I wouldn't say. Uh, the other benefits Cook gets are insane touches, you know, touching the ball more than 20 times a game every single week, regardless of game script. Uh, he also has scored a touchdown or more in every single game as well. So the definitive goal line back, there's no Latavius Murray type lurking with him. In fact, he just gave him over to Kamara's team. Looking at all things, seeing it totally being equal, I'm inclined to lean Cook. But I also feel like the chalk is going to be on Kamara. And so that's what terrifies me. Uh, what are you feeling about the situation right this now?
0: This one's so close because Kamara's touches have all gone up a little bit also with Drew Brees out of the out of the lineup as well. They've, they've kept him on the field a little bit more, I think, than they would have with Brees kind of game managing. I don't know if that's just a Teddy Bridgewater thing, if it's just the way the game script has gone for them. I'm not 100% positive, or maybe they just weren't in love with Murray. As much, I I suspect it's the former, where um, the games were just closer, and they just and and they just kind of need him more than now with Bridgewater than they did with Breeze. I'm not exactly sure. I think two weeks ago I would have said this was Cook for me pretty clearly, but the usage on Kamara over the last two with Bridgewater under center has me thinking uh, this one is this was a decision I'm not looking forward to on Sunday. I don't typically like to say it that way because usually we walk into this pretty confident, and um, I think that's been. One of their big benefits of just having a successful business for a long time is we take our stands and we just live with it. And usually our process lands us on what we believe to be at the time to be the best decision. It doesn't always work out that way, um, but I believe our process is as good as anybody's in the game. This is not a decision I'm looking forward to. I know I didn't really give an answer there. I think, you know, uh, metaphorical gum to my head, I would say Cook. And if, you know, Kamara has twice the ownership you know, like you know, 30% to 15% or something like that, I'm, I'm going to feel real worried. Um, <laughs> I just I don't know. Yeah, like I might. That.
1: But so here's the thing. Like, so you mentioned Kamara's touches increasing. His total carries plus targets last game, that would have been Cook's lowest on the season. Like, yeah. I just think that he's just involved. And that was a good game script too, right? Like, New Orleans was leading. Um, they had every reason to just keep giving the ball to their best skill position player, right? But that isn't the way it played out. And I think that, You know, as they get more comfortable with Teddy Bridgewater, you could see that happening even more often. I don't know. I I just think Cook against the Giants. The Giants totally overrated, by the way, right now. Like, I just don't... Like, everyone who's like, yeah, Giants going to win the division, I get it because it's, like, fun when this team, like, they lose Eli and they lose Saquon Barkley and it's, like, all good feelings as they plow forward with Danny Dimes and Wayne Gallman, get on the Wayne train and the whole thing. But can we just slow down a little bit? Like, they caught Tampa Bay off guard... And then they beat an absolutely terrible Washington team that, you know, I don't. I haven't looked at their schedule to see if they play the Dolphins or the Jets, but they could certainly go uh, winless on the season. I just don't, I don't know. I, I just don't see it. I think they, I, I love the Vikings and the points, by the way. Like, lay that four and a half to the Giants on the road. Who cares? Give me the Vikings. They're going to win by two touchdowns. One man's opinion. And I think I'll take Cook over Kamara. Maybe not on DraftKings. I think, you know, this could be one of those situations where you can hedge your bets and take the guy. Who's more likely to get more receptions on DraftKings? Play Cook on FanDuel and split the difference. But yeah, on FanDuel, I I'm leaning heavily towards Cook right now.
0: One of my outright bets for the game game preview tomorrow it was gonna be Giants outright plus the end the points also. So two separate bets. So we'll be going to take a fun little line in the sand on that one. But you like the that. Giants
1: over over the Vikings? So
0: uh, this, yeah. Is this
1: our myBookie discussion of the week? Wow. Yeah, we
0: can go over myBookie.ag. Uh, use the code promo code overtime o v e r. TIME first time customers get a get to match uh, up to a hundred dollars in their first time deposit, so go over and check it out. We can both put that in for this week. Yeah, no, I like the Giants this week. I definitely like the points. Um, but we'll save that for tomorrow. We'll do the game by game because I have a bunch of bets I want to throw out there. I, there's a few more that are kind of, kind of throwing out there to me. Uh, the Giants was one of them. All right, let's roll through the last couple pieces. We, you have Fournette on the list here for running back. Um, has the price just not moved enough? I, this is not. We played him in cash games last week, so I'm not worried about yeah. you know doing the old uh, one good game and now you want to play him kind of thing. Um, we had him on Fanduel. Last week as well. Does the price just not moved enough for you here? It's in the same game as Carolina. I'm a little bit worried about the overall amount of possessions each of these teams is going to get, but that's kind of my only worry sure. for for Fournette here.
1: Yeah, I think that worry was there last week against the Broncos too. I think Jacksonville, they're another one of these teams that you know they have their rookie quarterback under center. It sure seems like they're just begging for an excuse to give Fournette thirty carries a game. Like you know, the last game script didn't even totally favor it, and Fournette was like not very good. At first, like, you know, they were down, what was it, like 14-3 or something Mm -hmm. like that? Um, And Fournette still goes out there and has 32 plays drawn up for him, turns it into 25 and a half fantasy points in spite of not even scoring a touchdown. So uh, Fournette's still touchdownless on the season as well, which, you know, bad Jags offense, which I understand, but also just not a pace. Like he won't end the season with uh, with zero touchdowns. So um, this is like one of those situations, and I don't think he's going to get vultured on whatever goal line carries exist should they exist in the future no, for he, the Jags? He won't
0: he won't. He plays every snap. Like he, he basically plays everyone. That's what every I'm snap. saying. Yeah. So
1: so in a case like this, like sometimes touchdowns, this is another good level up moment for you all playing DFS out there. Especially this early in the seasons, sometimes we're learning something about touchdown equity, right? Like um, you know, we saw this with guys like McCaffrey in the past. Like sometimes a guy is just not part of that down and close package. And then you should be very worried. Um this would happen with the Saints sometimes uh too when they were splitting time between Ingram and Kamara. Fournette is not in that situation. And yeah. so what happens on the flip side is like sometimes you're like, oh no, my guy's not part of the touchdown package. He should probably be even cheaper than he already is. Uh Fournette's the opposite case. He is part of that package. It just hasn't come together so far. So we're getting a discount on the price because unlike these guys, like if you've scored three touchdowns on the season, that's the full four and a half fantasy points a game right now. That's a ton and will really move your price needle quite a bit so yeah i really like fournette i think he also helps you enable paying up at all these other positions like you're talking about where places to take savings if you take fournette in the flex at 6900 he's 600 cheaper than andy dalton right so that seems like a clear spot where i can pay down and i get away pretty clean and feeling happy so yeah right now i am uh, all in on fournette
0: yeah, we'll move on to the wide receiver here. But By the way, I mean, we talked a little about Kamara. We also could have talked about Nick Chubb. We could have talked about Wayne Gallman. We could have talked, you mentioned David Montgomery in your write-up. I think people are going to play Ronald Jones for Tampa Bay. Like, there's a lot of running backs this week, and they're all over the price years. I think you're going to see ownership all over the place. Uh, I think we'll end up taking a stand on some of these guys. Uh, but like I said, we, there's, there was a bunch of different directions to have gone in wide receiver. I actually don't think there's as many different directions to go Excuse me, at running back. I don't think there's as many different directions to go at wide receiver this week. Um, mostly, I, it feels like a week I want to just start seven running backs more than and just not have to worry about this position as much. I did start off with Keenan Allen, uh, even the one the the one bad I'm going to put in, qu- in quotes because this just happens to receivers, but the bad game against the Dolphins does it do anything to dissuade you off Allen uh, based on that one game compared to what we've seen just his overall target share f- this season, and does the Melvin Gordon adding Melvin Gordon to the running back mix? Um, do you think that we see a significant decrease in, in Allen's touches, or are we kind of just going to maintain what he had been doing up until the Miami game last week?
1: Yeah, so I think it's a mix of both. I don't know that you can just go, you know, like, again, in that short sample size department, our understanding going into last game was that Keenan Allen must get a minimum of 10 targets a game, right, just because that was the minimum. And in two other games, he got 15 and 17. So I think proceeding. As though he would get fewer than that would have been foolish now we know he is capable of a six target game and yes it's always a weird game script when you're going up against miami and certainly if you're looking at Allen as your premier skill possession guy or skill position guy and you don't want to risk him getting hurt in a game that you'll essentially win just by showing up then maybe there's a case that uh, they went into the game planning to not try to lean on him so heavily uh, and that they'll need to do that a little bit more Against a tougher but still probably overrated Denver defense, so I do like Allen quite a bit this week. Uh, I love to see when the price comes down on a guy like this because, um, you know, probably with all the needles pointing in the right direction, that shouldn't be the case. One thing I won't say though is given the other names I'm looking at here that are coming up elsewhere at wide receiver, like I'm pretty comfortable with some of these cheaper names too. So I could see uh, see not wanting to prioritize this. Like last week, I, I certainly felt like we had to. This week, I could see wanting to lean more in the running back direction, even paying up a little bit more at quarterback, um, you know, going from Dalton up to Jackson, something like that, uh, rather than, you know, kind of going all in on, on the Allen bounce back week. Uh, what about, I didn't write him up though, but just real quick about
0: Michael Thomas. Uh, we had kind of downgraded him with Teddy Bridgewater under center, but he's 14 for 16 on with Bridgewater under center for like 150 yards. Do we want to kind okay. of like maybe take him back up now that we've seen a sample size that would suggest that you know, at least the conversion rate—he's still at eighty percent conversion rate. It's been higher since Bridgewater's been around. Maybe the yards and touchdowns haven't been there as much, but uh, this wasn't the guy I meant to talk about. But real quick on Thomas, like he's only, hes the fifth or yeah, fifth most expensive, no, sixth most expensive Fanduel uh, wide receiver. He's kind of close to a cash game play. Just real quick, should we should we kind of da- guide that back upwards after the downward guidance with Bridgewater, or was that just kind of maintained because Bridgewater is just clearly not nearly as good a quarterback?
1: Well, yeah, this is the big question I think. Just with wide receivers, pretty much across the board, is how much do we really trust a four-game sample size to start the season? Because I'll tell you, in past seasons, we've always had a nine thousand dollar receiver. We've always had a cluster of guys in the eighty-five hundred to eighty-eight hundred range, and then there have been, you know, maybe one guy at eight thousand and a cluster of guys in the mid-sevens. This season, DeAndre Hopkins is the most expensive guy at eighty-five hundred on FanDuel. Julio Jones at eighty-two, and then it just goes down from there. So. The question is, has something fundamentally changed in the NFL that doesn't support these absolute top-tier wide receivers? Have we had kind of a collective run bad among those guys? Uh, Because it also is just sort of strange that, like, it's not like there haven't been wide receivers who have been amazing. Like, I think Godwin right now uh, leads all people on, let's see here. Nah, Deshaun Jackson played one game. Um, Keenan Allen actually leads all wide receivers in fantasy points per game among, um, you know, guys that are actually playing on the main slate today. And I think we can probably say fairly confidently that that won't be the case for the whole season. So I guess the question is with all these big name guys, Thomas Hopkins, Jones, Devontae Adams, I mean, are they all just kind of a little bit cooked and just going to go back to the pack? Or are we getting like kind of a collective cheap price on all of them, in which case maybe we should be paying up at wide receiver. I'm okay, well, totally actually,
0: sure. let, me, let me speak to Hopkins specifically, because he's a guy I wanted to talk about next. So he's a guy, actually, I think it's probably different for every guy, right? Like, I think with Od- like yeah. let's say Odell Beckham, I don't think this is run bad. I think, like, he walked into a new situation this year, and it might have just been a little overrated about how, you know, good, bad Eli was compared to Baker, which is true. Baker's better. Um, but, like, what the connection was going to be early on, and he just hasn't been able to sustain that. So I think, like, that's one thing. I think when you look at Hopkins, though, like, I almost want to be all in on Hopkins this week. Hopkins has had... Uh, I look back at this, he's had about as bad as an early season run as you can have in terms of uh, just who he has had to face in the first four seasons or first four weeks. He's been shadow covered three of the four weeks between Marshawn Lattimore, Jalen Ramsey, and Casey Hayward. That was three of his weeks. And then the fourth week is an excellent uh Carolina defense. Like this guy's had about as difficult mo- most as difficult a time as a wide receiver one could have, especially wide receiver one like the way they use him, which is kind of force feed him the ball. They weren't even able to do it. I think this is a week where, like this is a week where I actually don't want to use the early season target numbers to help me inform too much. I kind of want to have a steady hand about what we had to him to start the season, which was like something like 10.5 to 11 targets a game. I think that is the case, and he's just had such a bad run of just opponents to start the season. What, is that a strong enough case for you? Like I'm I'm so, like Atlanta's also been completely shredded by wide receiver ones this season Um, in, in their four games. Like this goes completely the other way. I kind of almost want to – I don't want to play him over Keenan Allen because I think the savings just makes sense. We just have enough of a tracker. But, man, it's really close for me. I love Hopkins this week.
1: I think it's a phenomenal case, actually. And I think I, I think people in general that play daily fantasy football should look for more instances like this because, again, if I'll compare it to any other sport, you know, say you're a, a baseball player and your first four games were against Scherzer, Verlander, Cole, and uh, – some other good pitcher, Brandon Woodruff, <laughs> we were just talking about him before <laughs> the, the podcast. Um, say, you, you, but you're up just up against four straight aces, you wouldn't be like, oh man, this guy's like one in 16 to start the season. Like, time to get the worryometer out on Bryce Harper or Mike Trout or whatever, right? Like, that would be totally ridiculous. And actually, I think cover corners are very analogous to ace level pitchers, where, you know, when we look at the truly elite cover corners, you simply cannot play wide receivers. So There's almost just like, this inefficiency in the NFL, where there there are people who can sort of break that position, you know, like we've seen that many many times throughout the past. Um, Namdi Asom was just the first guy that I recall uh, as in my football fandom learning about this. Where it's just like doesn't matter who's over there, I could just cover everyone. So um, so kind of good luck. And I don't know that all the names that you mentioned are in that category, but certainly they can depress overall target share and uh, force quarterbacks to look down their reads and go elsewhere. So yes. By the way, real I'd quick. Yeah, I
0: want to say this is actually the case against Allen too, because um, Allen is is going to face a Denver defense that is that their best corner is Chris Harris, who actually is going to cover corner him out of the slot. Like Harris usually only covers, he's he's a, strictly a slot cornerback, um, so he rarely is in any kind of shadow coverage except when the other team brings their best slot best receiver, who is a slot cornerback or slot wide receiver, who is Keenan Allen. Like this is the other case that say there might be another down week of Allen coming here because he actually draws the worst matchup of Denver. He's usually not in this case. The reason Allen is such a good wide receiver is because typically teams run their best uh, their worst cover corner in out of the slot. But Denver is just one of the few teams that does it. I mean, Kareem Jackson is good too, but um th- that this few teams that does that does this specific kind of makeup on defense. So like I don't know. I I am I think we're going to stick with Allen here in cash games, but I think this is another discussion we might have going into Sunday and say, I think I kind of want to be you're never a week early on DeAndre Hopkins. The guy was a freaking first-round draft pick on season-long things, so I'm not, like, just pulling some sleeper out of the air. I get that. I'm just mostly talking about the difference in production early in the season between Allen and Hopkins. I kind of want to, like, I might want to just take another week off Allen I'll take a week off Allen and go all Hopkins. We could talk about that more um, leading into mm-hmm. Sunday. But um, I- I'm not sure I'm totally there yet, but they- these guys just seem to be trending. For me, totally, at least for this one week, in kind of opposite directions. All right, let me. right, we're going to start going along here. Uh, the final, I finished off with Tyler Boyd and Auden Tate. Um, the real quick notes on this is John Ross is going to miss multiple weeks. Uh, the case for these guys is very similar to Dalton in that they just do get a great matchup here against the compromised Arizona defense. Boyd is already one of the top target guys. I don't think we can really bump his targets up much more based on what he was already getting but that's still close to just being a cash game play. And then if you want to give uh, Auden Tate most of John, he was the second most targeted guy in the Bengals last week. If you want to give him a lot of John Ross's target share, which I think is fair, he comes in as a, a pretty nice punt at 3500 on DraftKings. So looking to save a little bit of money. Uh, I don't mind going these two guys. I get that it's weird thinking about this many Bengals in cash. By the way, I think <laughs> people I think will play Joe Mixon too, and just in terms of the running backs we're throwing out there. Um, but there's... Uh, there's just a, there, I think there's there's something to like from these guys. Keep an eye on the Christian Kirk situation for the Cardinals. If he's hurt, I think we'd be give Fitzgerald, maybe Andy Isabella, Keyshawn Johnson uh, a little bump up. Finish us off with with tight ends. Um, I feel like this one is actually one of the ones that's going to be kind of easy this week.
1: Yeah, maybe. Um, only just because there's kind of a lack. Like we saw that last week, tight end reminded us that it can just be tight ends sometimes where. Uh, we talked about this on a breakdown yesterday, so I won't go too in-depth. But the short of it is that nobody was basically very good, except for Will Disley, who right. pissed off all of the uh, the sharp money in the big tournaments because, you know, it was kind of the square play just to roll Disley out there after two-touchdown week. And he just gets there again. Love it. Love sticking it to those guys for some reason. It just cracks me up. Um, so going into this week, I think it is, a, it is somewhat straightforward. Basically, I think you have three options. In this middle tier, um, you know, basically between like Darren Waller, uh, Mark Andrews, Evan Ingram, I think they're also they're all basically a pretty similar play, except for I I personally give the edge to Darren Waller. I just think the incredible consistency you're getting out of him right now, both in terms of targets and receptions, is really is really something different and a tier above anything you're getting elsewhere. Um, you know, last week was probably his worst week of the season since he was established in this role and he catches seven out of eight balls thrown his way for 53 yards. Listen, that's about as much as you can hope for as in terms of a floor from tight ends in the year 2019. So I'm happy to proceed with Waller. Uh, I get that it's a tough matchup against Chicago. I just think some of these other plays uh, like Andrews, who's slightly cheaper, uh, even Evan Ingram, who's basically in the same price tier. I just think they have slightly more question marks. And so um, yeah, for me right now, I think I'm going to stick with, uh, goodness me, I'm going to stick with Waller. I was looking at Ingram stats just to double check before I said that. Well, you yeah, know what? i will going Waller me, for now, but I'm curious to know what you think.
0: Yeah, yeah. So let me, I'm a, if I'm just looking for tiebreakers, you mentioned those three guys. I'll say, you know, Andrews has had some health stuff. Um, he's getting the end zone looks, which is great. And he's clearly, Lamar Jackson's like primary target. So that's great. Uh, the health continues to be a little bit of a concern just about how much he's on the field. So that's just my only little question there. And then Ingram, look, Golden Tate comes back from that suspension this week. It's unclear about what's going to happen there. They don't, they're not, they don't play the same position, but they run similar routes, in that neither are just big downfield stretch guys. And they, the Giants just did cut Benny Fowler and ah, somebody else. They cut another wide receiver to make room for Tate. Like Tate's just going to walk back in there, be that slot receiver and be a possession you know a, has been a possession guy at times in his career sure. so if I'm just looking for tie breakers, really look Ingram could maintain nine targets a game because of Daniel Jones like, I'm not saying Golden Tate does that but uh that team is going the wrong direction if you're trying to like you know go outsize target share on any of their wide receivers getting that kind of guy back so anyway, if I'm just looking for a way to break the tie I think that would probably be it all right Let's get out of here. We'll be back tomorrow uh, with a game by game podcast. I think we're, this, that one's going to go long. I think just because there's so much to talk about this week. There's even for a shorter main slate. Um, but by the way, there's like all one o'clock games. There's two four o'clock games. the stupid scheduling thing. I just don't know. I have no idea what I do. It's like the least fun two two game four o'clock slate. It's so stupid. Anyway, uh, we'll talk every game on the main slate. We'll go through some injury stuff. Uh, not a ton this week, but there could be a couple things that crop up in, over the course of the day tonight uh, today. And then we will uh, we'll roll through all those. We'll throw out some betting picks as well. I'm pretty excited for tomorrow. I feel like there's a, we went a little long in this one. I feel like we're gonna go even longer tomorrow. It seems like a really interesting week DFS betting wise. All the stuff. In the meantime, dailyfantasysportsrankings.com is the site. DFSR.com/deals. Gets you started. It's a free seven-day trial. So you sign up now. It takes you through the weekend. Uh, you're all good to go. You jump into the chat, ask people how, ask our users how they like it. Uh, they'll be, um, they're going to give you their honest results. And those results have been positive since the start of the season. So dfsr.com/deals gets you started, buddy. Talk to you tomorrow when we go through every game in the main slate. Peace.